0: Thanks for downloading this IMSA radio podcast from the International Motorsports Association and Radio Show Limited.
1: It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission
2: and race, plus the Porsche GT3 and Lamborghini Trofeo races Join Jim Roller, Jeremy Shaw and me, John Hindhope live from VIR, this weekend on IMSA Radio.
0: The voice of sports cars, United IMSA Radio The RadioLamont.com forum is full of people just like you. People who have opinions and aren't afraid to share them, just like you.
1: People who love all forms of motorsport, just like you.
0: Have a track on the radio online.
1: Go to RadioLamont.com and click on the forum button
0: RadioLamont.com.
1: Follow RadioLamont on Twitter Twitter. at RadioLamont.
0: Live from Trackside, this is IMSA Radio.
2: and welcome along to the Oak, Oak Tree Grand Prix at VIR. Uh, we're just outside Alton in Virginia, a fabulous circuit and another packed weekend for the IMSA sanctioned series. It's all about the grand touring cars this weekend and it's all live here on IMSA Radio.
0: The Tudor United Sports Car Championship on IMSA Radio.
2: Jeremy Shaw and John Heindorf are in the booth. Uh, Good morning, Jeremy. Good morning, John.
3: Absolutely perfect morning it is here. Couldn't be better, could it? No, not really. And uh,
2: and we start what is quite a busy weekend for anyone who is a devotee of tin tops, cars with roofs. This is a bumper one. It's cracking. Not only have we got the Chile United Sports Car Championship, we've got Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge and obviously we'll have qualifying and the full race live here on IMSA Radio and we'll... Back that up with the GT3 Cup, the Porsches are out there, and also the Lamborghinis, uh, and that is all still to come this weekend. But for now, we're turning our attention. To the two GT categories, GT Le Mans and GT Daytona, uh, in the United Sports Car Championship, and they get to be the big show this weekend. Yeah,
3: Maseratis are here. Oh yes, yeah. Maserati Trofeo as well. So yeah, big weekend for sports car fans. And yeah, I love the fact that we've got these uh, different events this year, with a few of the classes kind of shuffled around at Lime Rock Park. We had the PC cars and the GTD. Categories. Those two classes. They were the top bill there. This weekend, we've got GTLM and GTD, and I, I think that's really. I think it's really cool. Actually, I like it, and uh, I think we're in for a cracking race this weekend. We've had uh, brilliant races every single one uh, this season so far. This season, this weekend will be no different. We see the green flag waves away. Go some of the cars now to begin. This one-hour practice session will be another practice session later on this afternoon, another one tomorrow morning, and then qualifying for Sunday's Oak Tree Grand Prix will be tomorrow afternoon
2: our continental tyre pit lane reporter is jim Roller this weekend good morning jim you've got the best job this morning being out in the sunshine
4: i sure do the low humidity today the humidity is a lot lower than it has been these last couple days it's absolutely delightful out here john and you may have heard the cars leaving the pit lane so it's about to get serious and i'm really looking like you guys i'm really looking forward to a gt weekend this is going to be a lot of fun
2: so, all good news as far as the weather is concerned. And that's particularly good news for uh, a couple of the support series. So, we're going to do a, uh, a couple of makeup up races for events that they didn't get earlier uh, in the year. We will hopefully, fingers crossed, finally get round four yeah. of the uh, Porsche GT3 Cup. And I think it was round... As, three or four as well yeah. of the Lamborghinis. Yeah. yeah, this is
3: take three on the round four of the G- Porsche GT3 Cup Series because they tried to rerun it at, uh, at Watkins Glen. That was a race originally scheduled for Nola Motorsports Park down in Louisiana back in April. They tried to run it uh, back in late June at Watkins Glen. It got rained out again there, so third time lucky, what do you say?
2: Third time is the charm, I think, is uh, how it goes. At IMSA Radio is how to get in touch with us. Uh, very early Cars going out the 007 Aston Martin, the new championship leader, Christina Nielsen, of course, having nicked it at uh, uh, the GTD. GTD on a championship points lead away at the last round by one point, yeah, one or, one or two points yeah. Yeah,
3: over the uh, second place car, it's which is uh, the Paul Miller race. Yeah, two, racing. Points, yeah, two points, yeah, okay, two points over Dion Von Malka and Christopher Haase. Yeah, Christina Nielsen and the new championship leader. And uh, she's not driving that car now because actually, you see, Christine, she's directly in front of us. Right in front of us. On the timing stand at TRG AMR. Yes, morning, Christine. A nice job she's done these last several races in particular. That, That car's been on the podium three of the last four races and four out of the last six. So it's that consistency that has taken that car uh to and particularly christina nielsen to the top of the points she's uh, solo at the top of the points because she started the season with james davidson as her co-driver and now for the last uh, three events it's been uh, kuno whitmer and uh, kuno certainly has done a, a fine job since stepping into that top team we've had uh, podiums last two races uh, a third and then a second so next time third second what comes next but what's amazing John to me is you look at the points in GTD the top four are separated by
2: ten points exactly uh none of them has yet won a race this season and it could continue it could continue we'll, we'll pick up that topic with Jeremy Shaw live here on IMSA Radio in a moment or two let's head down to take a Continental Tire Putlin report and um, one of the men involved in was it the pass of the race I think it probably was the move of the race uh, last week Jörg Bergmeister was battling with Pierre Kaffer Pierre running out of tyres and Jörg desperately trying for about the last 20 minutes to get through and did get through in second place at Road America he's in the pit lane now with Jim Roller.
4: Your heck of a performance at Road America. It was throwback to the days at Sebring. uh, Porsche versus Ferrari. Uh, How much fun was that?
5: It was definitely a lot of fun. I think I uh, actually was quite a bit quicker than Pierre at the time. Um, But it was really hard to pass him as the Ferrari was plenty quick on the straight line Uh, and obviously I didn't want to throw away uh, podium position so I figured um, I wait to the last lap to to try something a little bit more risky Uh, and then Pierre made a mistake going into Canada and uh, yeah I I used it when went by we had a little bit of contact but it wasn't too bad but I think it was a good show now
4: you guys have been on a bit of a hot streak since Le Mans this team has really started the gel Why, why the momentum shift?
5: I think uh, after Watkins, uh, we we had some good tests and already good result in Watkins and a very strong result for the um, 9-11 in Mossport. And obviously another one too for us uh, at the last race. So hopefully we can continue like this. Um, We haven't tested here, but um, I'm pretty confident. I was going to say, you've got a lot of experience here. The team, not so much, because you, as you just said, you haven't tested much. How does the Porsche stack up on this racetrack? We'll see, but uh, hopefully good. I mean, um, usually I think it, shouldn't be, it should not be a pretty okay track for us. The straight is pretty long, um, not quite as quick as Elkhart, uh, where we utilize the downforce that we have. Um, so we have to see where we stack up
4: good luck and John this is another points battle like the GTD battle that's going to go right down to the end of the season and watch out for these guys in the white and black cars I think they're in with a shout
2: yeah Jim and I were down at uh, Leith Porsche down at Kerry down in uh, North Carolina on Wednesday night Earl Bamba and Nick Tandy uh, on the on duty for Porsche down there and there's a there's an optimism there's a real optimism in Porsche at the moment they're having a good time they struggled with the last iteration of the Porsche 911 this new uh, 991 car in RSR specification is a completely different animal it's been developed over a couple of years now Jeremy and they've found the sweet spot there's no doubt about that in my mind whatsoever
3: yeah, absolutely right. They've also got two drivers, well, they've got four drivers who are, who are super talented, but two of them in particular, Nick Tandy and Earl Bamber, who are just riding the, the crest of a wave of confidence after uh, guiding their the Porsche 919 to overall victory at the 24 hours of Le Mans. Uh, those two drivers in particular just, uh, as I say, riding the crest of a wave, and uh, they are bringing all their experience to bear, just you know, winning Success breeds success, doesn't it? That's exactly the case in the Porsche ranks. They've learned something, I think, on the car. Particularly also, Michelin has come up with a new tyre for the last couple of races. I think that has been a big step forward as well. It just really does seem to suit the Porsche and those two cars well Nick Tandy in particular would have be, just been a, a dominant force the last couple of races.
2: I mean Nick Tandy's performance at the Le Mans 24 hours was quite remarkable yeah. as well. Um, in the other side the GT Daytona uh, as we mentioned right at the start of this Sim Radio broadcast live from VIR a new leader for the first time this season by two points Christina Nielsen is at the top of the uh, top of the charts as far as the points are concerned. She is driving for Aston Martin for TRG and J- Jim Roller is down there right now. Christina, you've
4: come to VIR with the points lead. How does that
2: feel?
6: Feels pretty good. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we would like to, to continue down that road, but in the end right now, we just got to go back to square one and, and focus on setting up the car ride and getting comfortable on track because without those elements, we can't do what we're doing right now.
4: Were you able to test here at all? Were you able to test here at all, or is this all new?
6: We did do a test day. um I haven't raced here before, so it was great that we got to test the car, but got to test some different set of opportunities, um, and we're continuing from that now, so we're looking good so far.
4: What are your impressions of this place?
6: I think it's pretty awesome. I can't wait to race it. I think it's a really hard race racetrack to, to race with the people at, so qualifying is going to be essential, but... In the end, from what we've seen from all the other races, it's also about strategy and and whatever you do throughout the entire race. It's not just about one or two overtakes.
4: Do you have a favorite part of the racetrack?
6: Not yet, but uh, I do think the S's are pretty cool.
4: Now, when the point battle is this tight, when the point battle is this tight, do you keep one eye on what everybody else is doing, or is just straight laser focus on what you need to do with your car?
6: I think um, the main focus is on what we're doing. I think that's what it takes to win a championship. So we're going to stay focused on what we're doing, but stay updated on what others are, are up to. All
2: right, well, good luck.
6: Thank you so much.
2: It's uh, good to hear such positive. And Jim and Roller on fire straight away up on the top of the stand there, right in front of us, almost. At the, uh, at the uh, in the sunshine right in front of us. Christina Nelson has flag, been
7: John. ah
2: red flag out on the circuit. Dennis Paul has flag in hand over the start finish line, which is I think to our left from here. Right, I think. Oh, is it yes. further down over? Yes, has is, that yes. moved then?
3: No, it hasn't, no. It's just okay. it's difficult to get to perspective here obviously, or always because the, the, the pit lane kinks, doesn't it? And The, yes, and the it front does. straightaway kinks here to the right. It's flat out, but it certainly isn't. You wouldn't term it as a, as a straight... Oops, hello. There's so dirt underneath that car.
2: And that car is in the pit lane at the moment being the uh, IHG Rewards Club BMW, which has done some grass cutting. It's the, the white car, so that makes it the... 25. Fastest car so far. Maybe it did take a shortcut. Wow. And there's a bit of clay in there as well. Big downpour last night. Crack noses on these cars have been a feature. Uh, that and the Porsche uh, has had, the, uh, I think, the most different front ends uh, this season. Uh, as I said, the last two nights, there's been a big downpour here, and the environs of the circuit uh, are oh, nice and grassy and nice and green, and guess what? You don't get nice and grassy and nice and green without having a bit of waterfall on it.
3: Well, that's exactly right. And so it is pretty, pretty, pretty uh, soft out there, the, uh, the, the grass areas here. And uh, we've also we've had several practice sessions already this morning. I just had a walk around the paddock, and one of the, one of the cars I went off this morning was one of the automatic racing Aston Martins. Mm. Charles Espinol went uh, through the. Uh, through the grass up through the S's that Christina Nielsen was just talking about and had a big off course excursion, tore up completely the front of the car and all the underbody, and the same for Sebastian Landy in the Porsche GT3 Cup Challenge as well.
2: And the, uh, the Aston dropped quite a lot of fluid that needed cleaning up as well, right back yes. down into the yes. pit lane.
3: Just tore all the, uh, the radiator mountings off that car, that's what the problem was there.
2: Well, watching the... GT Daytona is out here at the moment. Uh, we another big name we're hearing about uh, interest. Just reading uh, this morning on racer.com from Marshall Pruitt that the AMG Mercedes-Benz squad uh, looking for partners over here. I know Derek Walker has been uh, talking to them along with uh, along with another IndyCar team. Actually, the, the, there's quite a lot of interest in sports car racing from the ranks of the the single seaters so that's uh, an interesting story Uh, racer.com if you want to find out a little bit more about that a man who has plenty of experience of front engine sports cars, Yardley Hastings finest sports car driver I do believe Uh, is now you have to call him Mr Ambassador now because he is Corvette Ambassador to Europe, Uh, it is one Oliver Gavin (laughs) down with Jim Roller
4: Mr. Ambassador, a Corvette ambassador to Europe. So, care to tell us how you parlayed that deal? <laughs> it's t- taken a lot
8: of hard work, actually. Uh, it's, it's great to great to be be able to, to be part of that and to obviously rep- represent uh, Corvette and Camaro in Europe is 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 great. And, I've worked with them over a number of years, but uh, now to actually have a, a Stingray on the, uh, on the driveway is, is fantastic. Now, this weekend, it's an all-GT
4: weekend. No prototypes to worry about. I bet that's fun.
8: Yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of nice. It breaks it up. It, it sort of brings another dynamic into to our racing. We know we're not going to get overtaken by anyone, so it's pretty much all, all eyes forward. Uh, but uh, you know our our class is so is, is so deep in, in competition that, that uh, you know any one tiny little slip or, or, or mess up that somebody's going to get by you um, you know we had some some great battles with the BMWs over the last couple of races uh, it seems to be a little bit harder to, to, to reach the other guys in our class at the moment um, but uh, we 'll we'll have to see how, how this weekend works out uh, but yeah it's uh, you know, as always, it's great to come here to VIR. We, we, we really like the facility here, and the guys here have worked so hard to, to, to make this really a, a top line, really excellent facility. Um, and they seem to be the track that works the hardest through the whole year to improve their facility. And it's great to see, you know, that they, they really are trying to, to make it better for not just us as, as, as teams or as competitors, but also for the fans. Now we're
4: into the back. Half of the season, the you know the end of the season—that's that light. It's it's still a ways off, but that you can see that light now. When the championship battles are so close, like they are in this category, what does it do to your race strategy? Are we are we just racing for the win, or are we racing for the win and thinking
8: about points a little bit? Well, you know, for us, obviously trying to get a victory is very important, but but it, it's also we've got really. One eye also on where the sister car is in the championship, in the, the drivers' championship, and if we can help them in any way, then we will. And and so, it's at times we sort of feel that we that we are playing a little bit of, of backup for them, but that's the way it is. That's just the way things have shaken out. You know, after the first two races of the year, where they won both of them, uh, and then Long Beach didn't go quite right for us. We've we've sort of always been on the back foot in in in, in that. So, you know, we've. Uh, Tommy and I know that we, we, we've got to do that, uh, but we also know that if there's the opportunity there to take, uh, you know, a podium position or even a victory, then we certainly will. We're not going to shy away from it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's important that uh, we do our very best for the team. All right, well, good luck.
4: And John I tell you one of the things I love about Ali is he answers the question that I didn't really want to ask and is that uh, are you guys going to be helping out or are you going to be going <laughs> for the win? so now now we know the answer to that and I think he'll probably be sending Chip Ganassi a nice Christmas card.
7: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Do you think picture of here's me next to my Stingray in the Adley.
7: Yeah <laughs> <Stinks>. exactly. Exactly.
2: <laughs> Happy Christmas from the uh, from the Gavins. It is white as well actually. It's a very pleasant car. Uh, that he's rumbling around in uh, he mentioned Camaro there and I know there's a lot of people b- back in the UK who are desperate to know whether we're going to get a right hand drive Camaro to go uh, up against the right hand drive Mustang which is uh, due in the UK uh, next year and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll find that out in a, that's probably a, a Jim Campbell um, kind of question from GM rather than an Ollie question but now, as he's now the ambassador I feel we can't ask you can ask those kind of questions. Uh, we are 16 minutes into this session. Nick Tandy from Wolf Hensler from Earl Bamba make it a Porsche 123, numbers 911, 17 and 912. Hello if you're here at the track and already getting some tweets on uh, IMSA at IMSA Radio. Uh, Randy Brink has just uh, tweeted in saying he's listening to us from the hog pen here at VIR now, which is uh, the hashtag, or the uh, handle for, the Twitter handle for VIR, at VIR now, at IMSA Radio, if you want to get in touch with us. It's 454 on your scanner frequency around the circuit. Um, not, It's a big track here. Uh, you'll certainly get us uh, down towards the paddock side of things. Hopefully that's stretching out a little further, and the PA system as well, of course. And we'll give you details. There, there is an FM frequency here as well, which we'll get you details of. And the sirius xm frequencies or channel numbers for the race on sunday as well so 17 cars uh, are out on the circuit of how many were we expecting jeremy
3: 19 19 yeah 18 or 19 i think 19 yes well, yeah, I don't think the fifty-eight number fifty-eight Porsche will be out. out. That's uh, the right motorsports. Yeah, car. it's been entered yeah. for the last few weekends, but hasn't hasn't shown. And so I would expect uh, we would see uh, eighteen
2: cars. Okay, so which so one are we missing? <laughs> yes, let's go it's, through it. No,
3: it's a GTD car we're missing.
2: Yeah, uh, Pierre Caffer goes through uh, to take the top spot for about four seconds before Nick Tandy pips him to it by point zero five seven. ..of a second. So it's 9.11 62 now, the first of the non-Porsches. Then Wolf Hensler, the 17, then 9.12, Earl Bamber. Uh, those top four separated by just under three-quarters of a second. And indeed, the all-bar, the 25 BMW of Bill Austin... Uh, Bill Austin, Bill Oberlin. Uh, so the, the top seven are all pretty much within a second. Bill Oberlin's nine-tenths off at the moment. Get used uh, to that. Really? Mm. Yes, oh, you that close. Yes. yes, as far as GTD is concerned, Christina Nielsen, who is uh, relaxing in the shade on the TRG Aston Martin racing perch in front of us, her teammate Kuno Whitmer has the best time at the moment a 149.2 last time around against a 149.4 last time around for Spencer Pumpelli in the 73 and Lee Keane. Uh, in the 22 so Aston, Porsche, Porsche there, 149.5 insanely close there, we'll discuss GTD in a, uh, more detail in a moment but let's go down to the Derek Walker racing part of Pit Lane and to surely one of the hottest properties on American road racing lists anywhere Brian Sellers is with our Continental Tire, Pit Lane reporter Jim Roller
4: well, how's the job hunt going?
1: <laughs> it's difficult like every like every time. I think uh, we're, we're lucky as drivers because we have the best job in the world. The only problem is is uh, when it looks like you're not going to have one, it becomes difficult. Uh, but, I mean, that's, that's part of the game. You know, this time of year is uh, difficult for everybody. So you just keep working and see what happens.
4: Belated happy birthday. Uh,
1: it'd be a great way to spend
4: the weekend on the top step of that podium, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you uh, for the birthday wishes, and it, and it would be. I mean, we, we feel like we have a little bit of unfinished business from here. Last year, the Ferrari getting us on one of the last corners on the last lap, and um, you know, I, I can speak for Wolf and everybody at Falcon and saying we absolutely love coming here. It's one of the places that you get excited about coming back to, so uh, it, would be, it would be a great birthday present, and I think Wolf is supposed to finish this weekend, or that's how it's scheduled anyway, so I keep telling him it's all up to him, my birthday weekend, him on him
4: <laughs> no pressure
1: no none at all
4: now the the other portion guys up the pit lane a little bit have been on a bit of a roll is any of that uh, momentum trickling down your way
1: Well, I mean, I think you can look at it in a couple ways. Certainly um, the momentum is in their favor, which makes it a little bit more difficult on everybody else. But uh, at the same time, obviously that means the Porsche's BOP has been strong and and the performance of the Porsche has been strong. So hopefully we can come to a place like this and, um, you know, take advantage of of the strengths of the car. Uh, I think that certainly kind of, you know, gets us rolling in the right direction, thinking that we have a car that can can compete for a win, although uh, the Ferrari looks like it's pretty quick at the moment. But it is a good thing for us. Anytime you see the Porsches up front, you you know, you have this kind of confidence-inspired moment of thinking, hey, we can be up there and we can perform as well.
4: Is it the racetrack that this car likes, or is the tires like this racetrack? Because like you said, you've had a lot of success here in the past.
1: I think it's a combination of both. I think this track actually suits our tire fairly well. I think it's in a lot of ways similar to a place like Road Atlanta, which suits the tire uh, well. A lot of high-load, high-speed corners, and I think that's kind of what the tire was built for and built around. So when we come to a place like this, it, uh, it, it definitely kind of brings our tire to life. Um, and I think also, you know, the Porsche is a good balance here. It's, a, it's pretty slippery, uh, so it's good on the long straightaways. Brakes pretty well, which you need here. Um, so I, I think it's all around a pretty good balance.
4: Well, best of luck to you. You got an 800 number or website you want me to plug uh, for your job? Search?
1: Anybody that's interested, just give me a call. <laughs> don't, don't go anywhere else but me. He's
4: in the book, folks. <laughs>
2: Uh, and we'll take our normal 10% Brian once uh, she <laughs> gets signed up. Brian Sellers talking to Jim Roll, our Continental Tide Pit Lane reporter for this weekend. We're live from VIR. It's at IMSA Radio. And Jeremy Shaw and John Hindorf looking down on the pit lane where the 007 Aston Martin, Kuno Whitmer, has brought in the class-leading machine, or at least it was. Andy Lally's just gone to the top of the times, Jeremy.
3: Well, has he? That, that, that was the car that was missing from the charts up until uh, a moment or two ago. Number 44 car, Magnus Racing. Uh, although it's shown to fi- uh, five laps already, so why that wasn't... Uh, you know, whatever. It's now top of the charts. We have all 10 GTD cars out there. So all, all 18 cars accounted for. Just talking about the Aston Martin, though. Uh, a slight balance of performance yes. restriction... Um, on that car since the last round Slightly smaller engine Air restrictor Also they're allowed to use 250 Less RPMs than Before on an Aston Martin Also a change to the Dodge Viper SRT, that's the car that, uh, that Won last time out At Road America with Ben Keating And Jerome Blake, one in car number 33 Their rest- air restrictors has come down By 3mm wow. and 200 RPM less Allowed uh, maximum RPMs than before, so just a couple of yeah, smallest changes on those cars. <coughs> three um, mil is—that's
2: ten percent, isn't it? Because it will all be around thirty to thirty-three mil. So yeah. um, depends whether you've got a single or a double restrictor. Of course, the good news for the Viper is, of course, that it has a huge engine and bags of torque. So making power at the top end is not necessarily what that car is about. Uh, it's also, of course, a development of a GT e-car, so it's got uh, quite a lot of downforce, um, although it still was quicker at, at Road America interestingly enough, this is a, a circuit here where the the balance between top speed and, and downforce is always the thing that you've got to work out what you want, because down the front straight is exceptionally quick, running down from the oak tree turn uh, and down to the top of the hill, also exceptionally quick, but those S's... Down to the top of the hill? Down from the top of the hill, sorry, to the, uh, to the, yes, down front from the top of the yeah, hill to the, the top, top front, of the other hill.
3: Yeah, with the front nose on the car.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm, it's still early. Uh, I'm still, uh, I'm still... Well, no, it.
3: Yeah, but it is downhill, isn't it? it coming, it's initially downhill. coming out of the oak tree yeah. corner and then it goes up uh, And then you again. sort of come to the Indeed. brow
2: and then drop into the last two yeah. corners, which are outstanding. And yeah. you can lose a lot of time in the S's here if you either don't know where you're going or your car doesn't want to turn. Because that oh, is yes. a, a real rhythm part of the racetrack. Uh, Pierre Caffer is at the top for Ferrari and things yeah. have shuffled around in GT Le Mans with 1.43.9 now the time to beat. Uh, just put in by the recent Competizione Ferrari, the number 62, the venerable I think we can now say uh, Ferrari, oldest car in the GTLM field and the car probably running most to its... Uh, original spec uh, Antonio Garcia is second now as the Corvette begin to find their legs that's the rebuilt number 3 car uh, back in the States and back in action uh, last time out for the Pratt Miller uh, Chevy Racing Team and third John Edwards now for BMW so Ferrari Corvette uh, BMW and Porsche with Nick Tandy's 911 now in fourth position. Let's head down and talk about Viper. Ben Keating is with Jim Roller. I can listen to Ben Keating talk all day and all night. He has a fabulous voice. When you've finished asking the questions, just give him a copy of the phone book and let him keep
4: going, please, Jim. Uh, it? Sounds like a plan. I tell you, John, these guys finally figured out I can climb a ladder, so they're not going to be able to hide from me that much anymore. Ben, uh, V-I-R... A couple long straightaways, some twisty bits. How's the Viper going to uh, assimilate to this racetrack?
7: Well, you know, it's it's only been about three weeks ago that uh, the the Viper won the Ultimate Track Car Challenge here, uh, of course. So th- the Viper does extremely well here, uh, and and I love this track personally. But uh, the fact is that was. Uh, you know, no holds barred, uh, no restrictor, no weight. Uh, that that's you know, that's everything the car's got, basically. You know, uh, you know, after, uh, after after winning at uh, Road America, you know, uh, we have been uh, we've been slowed down quite a bit, and so uh, you know, with the balance of performance, and so uh, you know, un- unfortunately, we feel like uh, you know. Uh, We're going to have a tough time competing this weekend. So I love the track. The car loves the track. Uh, And, uh, you know, we're going to do what we can. That makes it tough, though, because this is such a close championship. Seems like it would be fun, and I don't see fun on your face right now. Uh, It it seems like it should be fun. Uh, You know, unfortunately, uh, uh, I I guess I would say, uh, you know, I, I, I... I've made no, uh, uh, you know, I, I have, I've let it be known that I'm pretty upset uh, and uh, you know, I guess my grandma taught me if I don't have anything nice to say to not say anything at all, so uh, I'll, uh, I'll just say that uh, I think it's pretty obvious that the data from the last race uh, shows that, uh, that, that we definitely uh, should have had some sort of an adjustment. Uh, but, uh, I, you know, the, the adjustment we got was really drastic, uh, and, uh, and yeah, you know, the data did not show that magnitude of an adjustment, and, uh, you know, I, I feel like we've been taken out, so I, I'm pretty upset by it.
4: It's that same old story, John. You live by the B.O.P., and you die by the B.O.P. What you didn't get to see was the knowing glance between uh, Ben and uh Mr. Riley as they were, uh, as he was discussing that VOP uh, situation mm.
2: Yeah, Balance I mean, of performance, it's a funny yeah. one it's, you know live by it, die by it, I suppose um, the 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 guys at IMSA is, it's the job that nobody wants to do Jeremy, isn't it? Let's be honest, because you're damned if you do and yeah. you're damned if you don't
3: It, it is a thankless task, John Handoff, you're absolutely right, and uh, because, you know, because we've got such disparity between the, the characters of each of the cars in both of the classes here you know we've got the 8 litre uh, V10 in the Dodge Viper and then we've got a 4 litre flat 6 in the Porsche and everything in between as well mm. so it, it, it really is difficult to equate the performance on those cars I think they've done a really really good job at it you know I'm sure it's done on data
2: I mean the point yes, that was made there Even by Ben saying that he's not happy And I understand why he would say that yeah. But this is not a finger in the air kind of right. thing This is not people Standing by the water cooler Spitballing and going oh, they, were, they won last time, let's slow them down Data is taken from every car at every race, and that's
3: the point you see here. And Ben himself, he said, you know, he, he, when you look at the data, yes, he, he's not—he's not grumbling that a, that a change was made to the performance of the car. He's not grumbling about that at all. He's just saying that the, the change is a bit more drastic than he feels is necessary. But let me add, add to this, uh, you know, that yes, they, that they, they won last time, out, and that was that particular car's first win of the season. But I tell you what, they've—they've they've been in position to win four oh, or five yes. races this season. The they, the Viper. Uh, has already won twice, just not that particular car. Uh, it was the, the sister car, number 93 car, which is not here this weekend. Is competing just in the uh, North American Endurance Championship uh, events this season. So that car will be back for Road Atlanta for Petit Le Mans. But I think the point here, that uh, from, the, from, the, from the IMSA side of, of things, is that. This car has been super fast all year long for one reason or another uh, they've only won the one race in that particular car, but it has been the car to beat all season long. That and the Aston Martin, they've been the two fastest cars on a kind of a regular basis. The Porsches, they've been super consistent yeah. and they've got, of course, strength in numbers as well, but um, it is a thankless task, but you know, uh, I, I do believe that, that, that there was a, a change needed to both those cars, and they have uh, they have made a change to both of those cars, and we'll see what happens by the end of the weekend. Yeah, you know, you're always upset because you, the teams work so hard to gain their advantage, to, to win the races. It's not, just, it's not just luck, it's not just something that's pulled out of the sky, it's not just a, a one-off uh, reason for, for, for success. Um, so when the teams are pegged back a little bit, yeah, they're rightly upset. Mm. But uh, at the end of the day, now they have just got to go back to the to the board and work harder, and uh, and that's you know that's what it takes. It. The good news is that they're not making changes every week on the on the cars. That's the important thing. They're not shuffling around constantly up and down and back and forth. There are two or three changes they'll make during the course of the season, but it's all for the right reasons. And I think I think they've been really really close this year. All, and that's it for the season generally.
2: now by the way there will be no more this is season right. um, certainly for GTLM I believe they've used the uh, the three parts of the season as yeah. it's split up it, it is also that's mandated at various times and you can't do it um, within a certain amount of time of a race and blah 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 it, it's it, it is again what I would say is it's a thankless task and they've tried to make it as scientific as or they have made it as scientific as possible it's much like the FIA WEC where, for the most part, the equalisation of technology, as they call it, comes down to the same thing, trying to give everybody a similar set of performance parameters. Um, they're only done at certain times, and, and they run from one year to the next for the, the P1s. The issue and is th- here, Jeremy, you are going to get cars. The, the turn of BMW, for example, will be stronger at some tracks than it is at others. Yeah. And what you can't do is fall into the trap, as some other series have done in the past, And I think particularly of Touring Car Series, where they have success ballast, that's a different thing. You win, you get weight. You don't win, the weight gradually comes off again. I really don't like that. I think what you've got to do is make sure you don't fall into the trap of saying, oh, you know, Porsche were great at this race. Well, it might have been raining, and it might have been a Porsche type of track, and the guys at Porsche might have just done a better job. There's much more to performance than just performance balancing you know it's strategy, it's the car, it's the drivers, it's the team as well as the performance of the car.
3: Yeah I agree and you know we talk we talk about every weekend it's horses for courses, some some racetracks will suit some characteristics of some of the cars better than some of the other cars. Here at uh, Virginia International Raceway there's, a, there's every mix you can imagine here. We've got a whole bunch of uh, of S's, you know, where the, where the car needs to change direction. We've got long straights as well, so it's going to be interesting to see how we are. But you know, if we look at the the early stage of this session in GTD, from first in class back to uh, well, back to ninth place, it's covered by eight tenths of a second. That's all the different manufacturers. It's close.
2: Uh, Mike Headland said, "I've always wished they would release a document explaining and showing exactly." the thinking, if you like, the working out when they make a, a BOP change. Thoughts. Thanks, Mike, for that. always like having an exchange with Mike Headland. He's a, a person who really thinks about what he's doing. Don't always agree with him, and he and I have had some uh, decent battles backwards and forwards in 140 characters or less on Twitter. But, no, I, I actually don't disagree with that, uh, Mike. I, I think it wouldn't be the worst idea... To, to if you like show the working out uh, of, of where we've got to it El Purry saying um, not sure why the Porsche's got a, a, a performance boost after they'd won a race that comes back to what I was saying just there El that it's not about results necessarily it's about other potential. factors and the potential and it may have been and I, I, I think it was Continental Tires Motorsport, uh, and Tyres uh, motorsport part, wasn't it, where the Porsches won and then got a performance break for the next one. But the data suggested that the other teams didn't make the best of what they had. And looking at the races previous to that, that was the same thing. So you, you can't effectively, if that hadn't been done, the argument could have been and I'm playing devil's advocate here, I accept, that Porsche were being penalised for doing a better job when their competitors didn't do the best job that they had with their equipment. And, And that's why this is such a really difficult question to answer and why, as I will say again, I'm so pleased I don't have to do this job because there isn't a simple equation that is always right for every track. If there is, if X always equals Y and A always equals B and C over D gives you the right answer as to how you can affect these cars and what measures of course you use to affect these cars whether it's um, restrictors, ride heights, revs, whatever else it is you're talking about a huge amount of variables there and how down through the years the ACO uh, and now IMSA over the you know, couple of iterations of IMSA that I've been involved with going back to 1998, 1999 have managed to keep ahead of or on an even keel with all of the different applications of, of sports cars, GT cars, prototypes, etc. I've got no idea. How they've done that. It always seems to me as though if everybody is, roughly speaking, disappointed in the kind of the same area and is talking about it in the same sort of context then you've done your job right. If there's one person slightly less disappointed than others or is even happy, then there's something yeah. not right. You yeah. gotta, you're going to be equally unpopular with everybody. That's what you are going to hear him <laughs> for. Right. That's a, that's a re- which is a really odd way for you. What do you do? I, I'm equally unpopular with all of my clients. Uh, <laughs> uh, someone who's been doing a good job uh, this morning so far and is clearly very popular with his team is Pierre Caffer. Giancarlo Fisichella has just jumped in to the competition Competizione Ferrari but not before a 143-9. put that bright Rosso Racing red machine at the top of the timing and scoring monitor, and Jim Roller is down there now.
4: Well, we talked earlier to uh, one of the protagonists from the uh, end of the race at Road America. We'll talk to uh, Pierre Caffrey now and get his, his side of that uh, story. That was a heck of a finish at, at, at Road America. Had you just used up your tires?
9: Yes, I think... Uh... It was the only chance for us to do a bit of a risk in this race so i think it was a a very good fight between Jorg and myself and uh, i think even in the end when we touched together everything was clean it was fair and you know that's how racing should be that's why we are here that's i think we we put a great show for for half an hour in the race and um it's nice to be part of it and nice to be in the ferrari with really competition I mean, when, when you think about we did every single pit stop, we did perfect. The boys, I think we were the quickest uh, crew in Road America. That, that gives us the opportunity to, to fight for the second place. So, and in the end, I mean, we missed it quite very slightly. So we will see what happened here in Virginia. I have a very good feeling at the minute with the car. And the, the track is one of the favorites from Giancarlo and myself. And uh, we will see if this helps in the end. Why do you like it so much? I don't know. It's a proper racetrack. It's, uh, you know, you, you drive. It's like, it's like a bit of an atmosphere like in Monza where you are in the park. For me, it has also a bit on the Nordschleife or from the Nordschleife with all the elevation changes. It's very quick. But it's also very technical, and um, this, this I like in the end. And uh, for sure, everyone likes that we are GTs only. And, uh, I mean, for the GTLM class, it's for a victory overall, and that's always very nice. Now, you're on the pole here last
4: year. You're quickest, you're quickest so far. Can you keep the momentum going?
9: Oh, well, it's still 20 minutes to go, and... Um, I mean, the GTLM class is so tight at the minute that uh, I would not put my money on any car. So everyone could be in the front, and that makes it so exciting, this, this kind of races. And for me, the Tudor United Sports Car Championship, especially in GTLM, is one of the toughest, in my opinion.
2: All right, well, good luck this weekend. Thank you. Just uh, underlining that Jeremy. Yes look at the top four in class. Yes,
3: yeah, so cool. we we've got a Ferrari at the top then 143.9 Porsche in second place 144.1 Corvette in third one minute 44.2 and a BMW in fourth 144.3 so uh, four tenths of a second four different manufacturers super cool racing
2: And you wouldn't put your house on any of them no. frankly uh, You know going back to the old BOP thing it might look in times as though someone's got a huge advantage, but you've still got to get through the race. And I think that's another, uh, it's another thing that you've got to think about. It's another element to all of this. And when you look at what Risi did to keep the, the Ferrari in contention, which is, I believe, the car with the, which is closest to its homologation has the least number of waivers of all the GTLM cars out there. It's the oldest GTLM car out there. They were doing 12.1, 12.2 second stops for a full fill and, and getting the car out. And you know, they gambled on not taking tyres at the end uh, of the race, and that I think ultimately cost them. Uh, the, as the BMW number 25, which was having its issues earlier on. Yeah, it was, was off the
3: road early yeah. on. Bill Oblin uh, was the, uh, initially the fastest man on the track, but then uh, took the car off road somewhere, did some damage to the front. That damage now been repaired. New nose on the number 25 car and Dirk Werner out now to uh, start turning some laps number 25 car it's 8th and slowest at the moment but uh, I'm sure Dirk will be up to speed before long he's certainly flinging the car through the S's there
2: you're listening to IMSA Radio live from Virginia International Raceway VIR at IMSA Radio uh, use the hashtag OPGP, uh, OTGP Oscar Tango Golf Papa this weekend, Oak Tree Grand Prix. Sounds like we should be flying light aircraft with that one, but uh, that is the hashtag. The uh, session still has uh, just under 18 minutes to go. So there's a spin for the 97 with Michael Marcel, the fastest car in GT Daytona, uh, the BMW has gone around. the Wow, so sounds on the radio yeah.
3: there suggesting that uh, there was a was there was a problem say with the downshift from second to first gear? What?
2: When he, he thought he'd waited long enough to shift down into first but when he shifted down into first it uh, locked him up and spun him around.
3: Yeah, it was in the first part of that double apex right hand then. So difficult at The there. Uh, far end of the racetrack the sudden end of the racetrack. And at the time he was, he was actually following Dirk Werner. Werner had gone past him I think on the front straightaway maybe yeah. into turn one. And so Michael there was trying to hold on. That's a GTD car against the GTLM version. Of the uh, z4 quick loops it around there's an onboard shot as we can see and uh, yeah just got a bit too uh, bit too hard a bit too early with that downshift perhaps locked up the rear wheels and around it went no harm no foul michael Marshall continues in that car just the 18 car there just just uh, on that same like kuno, Witt, kuno wittmer gone to the top of the charts in d gtd the 007 aston martin fractionally faster Than the time turned a little while ago by Marcus Paltola in Carnival 97. So it's a 007 Aston Martin at 148.779 to the BMW's 48.790. And then John Potter and Andy Lally set the time on number 44 Magnus Racing, Porsche 148.857. So that is about eight hundredths of a second between the top three class cars in GTD
2: i do think uh, we've got eight gtlms and what 10 gt daytonas and okay 18 cars uh, in a a level of racing like this a lot of people will i'm sure be saying oh dear but remember this is only half the field and the idea here is to let the GTs have their moment in the sun, which it is sun as well at the moment, and also planning for the future, with a potential of far more GTD and GTLM cars next year, you get to the stage where you put, you know, I suppose you could probably get 25, 30 cars around here, but, but much more than that and many more classes, Jeremy, and all you're doing is setting up to have not enough racing and i love i love the safety cars that we have here they're all pretty they're all fantastic but i like to see them at the start of the race and then disappearing when the green flag and not coming out again and you know you put too many cars and too many classes on a track particularly a sinuous track like this and you're asking for trouble frankly
3: i was having that very same conversation about half an hour ago with hugh plum who drives with his brother matt in the continental Task sports car challenge and and uh, I, I was so, turn to them and you know, they completely agreed with me I, t- I, I take quality over quantity every single day of the week uh, and we've got real quality here amongst these 18 cars uh, there's one of the GTD cars, the, the Compass 360 Racing Audi they're still getting up to speed with that car but uh, n- even now they were within uh, within just over a second actually of the quickest time so they're making big strides there down at Compass 360 Racing um, there's no make weights. Yeah, there's nobody filling out the field. Nope. These are all quality teams, run by running quality teams running quality drivers. That's what it's all about, and it, it does mean we've got less propensity for these full course cautions, and that just means more racing for everybody here to watch. I love it. I think it's great. And, Eighteen cars. Yeah, I'd li- you know I'd like a few more probably, but you know, Another you half a only- dozen. Yeah, would we- be great. We- but no, but we- they're not necessary. No. You- you're only going to be watching three or four cars battling together at any one particular time, so you know you're not going to really add-, add anything. All you can do is add numbers. And I say it. Uh, I'll guarantee more you that uh,
2: on Sunday when we have the Oak Tree Grand Prix, that you and I will be. My head will be exploding and you'll be writing numbers down very quickly on your lap chart with the top four or five in each of those classes pretty much battling for the whole of the Grand Prix.
3: I, I would certainly anticipate that, yes, absolutely. Both classes, I think, are going to be uh, really, really closely fought and all the way through it is going to come down to who makes least mistakes.
2: I agree. And there are plenty, there have been plenty of races I've been to the past where we've had double this number of cars yeah. and more and somebody's driven off and lapped the field. And, you know, well done for them. I'm not saying that's a necessarily a bad race, but if you're talking about close action and closely matched performance, we've got factory teams here from Porsche and Chevrolet uh, and BMW. We, next year, I expect to see, that, well, will be joined by Ford. That's another couple of cars there. Um, potentially uh, GT, LM cars uh, from Aston Martin, of course. They've got the, a, a current car. And I know that they would like to do some races next year. And GTD had some GT3 cars. Uh, we uh, mentioned the uh, the fact that the GT Daytona goes to, to GT3 next year. So Mercedes-Benz. I think there's something like 15 different marks now who have a full house FIA GT3 car. I'd expect to see Lamborghini here. I'd expect to see a customer Bentley. Won't be a works Bentley there. Uh, are more interested in winning the races uh, outright at the front of the field here in the IMSA Championships or expect them to start looking at putting an engine uh, and some bodywork onto a P2 car there you potentially could uh, certainly BMW will have both because they're converting the GT3 car into a GTLM car for for this racing next year so there's potentially BMW uh, customers here and if the price level of that new M6 GT3 which was released earlier on this week is converted to dollars at the current exchange rate that's going to be at the lower end of GT3 money it was 379000 euros which puts it at uh, a tad over 400000 dollars jeremy has got uh Ooh, almost a whole dollar there in change. Seventy-one cents. <laughs> um, Not quite there, am I? But that—that that is, you know, with a GT3 car over here costing somewhere in the region of a half a million dollars now, and pretty much everybody is in the same sort of ballpark. That—that mm-hmm. that gives BMW a price advantage certainly, and I can imagine. Marshall Pruett was saying on Midweek Motorsport on Wednesday, um, which I thought was very uh, astute of him. That the the BMW brand is one of those brands that for whom for the people for whom it matters, it matters a lot indeed, they are real advocates and real fans of the brand the guys that love it, really love it and at that sort of price point that is going to attract people who are doing other types of BMW racing to say, do you know what, we have a GT3 car and go and race at Daytona, at Sebring at VIR, in the big show and I think that's a very valid point. Uh, we've got the new um, GT3 uh, R8 coming next year, the Huracan GT3, as we've mentioned as well, on the same platform. Five R8 GT3s and the new R8 GT3s are destined for America, as we've got just under 10 minutes to go. Uh, and that's before you add in any of the, uh, the other brands that aren't, reco- uh, re- uh, aren't represented uh, right here uh, ...right now in the... ...in the Tudor United Sports Guard Championship. So, before we all run around with hair on fire... ...shouting the sky's falling in... ...let's revel in what we have here... ...and look forward to what we might have uh, next year... ...as uh, we have still got the end of the season, of course... ...to to resolve... ...and Championships are in the balance. Still racing ahead... But things getting interesting behind them in GT Le Mans, Jeremy.
3: Yeah, Antonio Garcia improved in the number three Corvette to a one minute forty-three point nine seven six. That is precisely point zero three nine of a second slower than this time set earlier by Pierre Kaffer in the number sixty-two Ferrari. So, i.e., uh, basically a little more than nothing between those two cars. Your Bergmeister is still third in the number nine twelve Porsche. 144.1 and Lucas Lure, the BMW car number 24 next up 144.3, so really close in GTLM, in GTD it's still Christina Nielsen, the car time set by Kuno Whitmer just ahead of the BMW of Michael Marzell and Marcus Paltala and in third place John Potter and Andy Lally in the Porsche uh,
2: At Fair Use, one of our regulars here on IMSA Radio and Radiolemon.com says so if I drive very fast I could get to hashtag Tree Grand Prix. I'm stuck in Williamsburg, Virginia. It's a family thing. You need to have an emergency somewhere else, don't you, so that you can leave and come down. It's going to be worth watching. And a couple of people, including Mike Headland, again, onto us here saying, with the full GT3 spec, the arm drivers are all going to be very close next year. It'll make the racing even better. And what about a Caddy in GT Daytona next year with a GT3 customer car? All possible, all possible. Yeah. And with
3: Certainly, no lo- certainly on their Red uh, radar screen, no question about uh, that. with
2: no GT3 Corvette here, that would give GM the presence in that category. Um, although, whether they would want to race that and a GTLM, I don't know. But by some form of osmosis. As I was literally beginning that sentence, uh, Jim Rohner says that he's down at Corvette Racing, and uh, Doug Feehan would be the man to ask. So let's ask him, Jim. Go ahead, Jim. There we go.
4: Got to turn it on, John. Uh, Doug, we're just having a, a philosophical discussion about next year and GT3 cars coming to GTD. Might we see a Cadillac? It's uh, very
10: difficult to say if that would be the case at this point in time, and and I don't say that to be elusive. I do say that because we are considering many, many, many different options for our race program next year. When we get a little closer to the end of the year, we'll be able to sit down and have serious discussions. Uh, Ourselves at Chevrolet, obviously the people at Cadillac funneling that all through, Mark Kent and Jim Campbell. And uh, I'm sure whatever decision is made will be a good one and best for the brands involved. But right now, there are no decisions made as far as next year is concerned.
4: Would you guys entertain a customer program, perhaps?
10: Well, you mean from a Corvette perspective or Cadillac? Uh,
4: both, actually. Well, a- actually,
10: you know, I I have to say, in, in all honesty, I'm I'm not involved in the Cadillac program. I know. Uh, but from a Corvette program, we would uh, we would certainly consider that. It it, as we're building vehicles, you know, we've not <laughs> ever built a. GT Car, we have a very good partner in Europe, who who is uh, uh, endorsed by us to do that in Reeves Callaway. Um, you know, if 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 a customer came to us and wanted a GT3 car designed and built, I would see no obstacles to that, he has the where Anytime we can get a Corvette out there racing, we're going to do everything we can to accomplish that task.
4: More to this event this weekend. How much fun is it to come here and just race a GT card?
10: VIR Raceway is a, is a relatively new area in the world of road racing. And each year you come back here, there's some level of improvement. They are continuously doing what they need to do to raise this place to a preeminent position. The drivers love the racetrack. The facility is pretty much equal to any place we go. When you look at the accommodations, the paved paddock, everything that they've put in place here has really, really raised the bar on other facilities. So we enjoy coming here. It's a fast racetrack. It's a nice part of the country. And I hope we keep it on the schedule for a long time to come.
4: Tough competition in this class. About, what? Maybe four points separate the top three in the Drivers' Championship. Probably about the same in the Manufacturers' Championship. How much fun is it to have that kind of competition for you guys to race against? I wish the competition
10: on the racetrack was as close as the point standings (laughs) indicate, okay? Right now, we're not there just yet. So, uh, I think at the last race you looked, it was Corvettes versus BMWs and Porsche versus Ferrari. There haven't really been any balance changes thus far, and I don't know that we'll see any before the end of the year. So, we've uh, used the words that Arlene Berteau instilled uh, to me years ago: "Go home, work harder, if you want to improve." And that's what we're trying to do. So, we're here. We know what the battle is. We know how high the hill is that we have to climb, and uh, we're not giving up till that checkered flag drops. And we'll see what the race gives.
4: us. Talking to Ben Keating earlier, and it was basically you live by the BOP and you die by the BOP. Yes,
10: I- ideally, and I think everyone's in agreement that when when we can put that phrase to rest, we will have struck upon the most accurate BOP we can possibly get. Right now, it's a process that's in development. All the manufacturers are working closely with the sanctioning body to try and improve the process to make for closer racing. Everybody wants to see it. The fans obviously clamor for it. You love going into a race where, where you think that the top four or five brands are going to be within a tenth or two of each other. Uh, that hasn't been the case at the last few events, but everybody's working to get it there. So I think we all have to be patient. We've been around this game long enough, and we plan to be in it long enough to know that it, uh, eventually everything comes around, and and, and I'm hoping that uh, we find a pretty good balance soon.
4: Well, you and I have had the discussion in the past that that you really are proud of the way IMSA just doesn't put their finger in the air and see which way the wind's blowing. They they do data, they do they really do their research. How important do you think it is that the, some of the IMSA officials are going to go to France for the FIA got a BOP test at Ledoux? Is that is that a good thing?
10: Well, I think it's a great thing. Number one, I think it signifies to the world how closely the two organizations are working together. I mean, just from a broad overview. Secondly, I think that uh, they've learned, they being our IMSA organization here stateside, that there's other ways to do things, some of which they may not be totally familiar with nor comfortable with. Uh, we've got a tremendously good balance of performance program over in Europe. You only have to witness a, a, a 24-hour race. Set. And I think the uh, openness and the willingness of our sanctioning body here in the U.S. to to learn more is a very strong signal to everybody that that continuous improvement is certainly on their radar.
4: Given that it's just GT cars this weekend, a little bit less traffic, you guys racing at the front, if if you guys are a little bit down on speed because of the adjustments, are there any strategy tricks you can pull out of your sleeve?
10: Well, I wouldn't necessarily call them tr- call them tricks. It's just good strategy. We will have to look at, after qualifying and assess what the performance level is of our own cars versus that of the remainder of the field, and then go back in and look actually look at the logistics of the race. You know, we won both Sebring and Daytona, not being the fastest car. We won it because we had a great strategy, and we had a fair amount of good fortune fall our way. 25% great car, 25% great team, 50% good fortune. We're going to do the same thing here. Although the race is only 2 hours and 40 minutes, the same principles apply. We'll go back. We'll look. We'll look at what our prospective fuel economy can be. We'll look how the race pans out. This has to be something you do on the fly all the time in order to be effective. We used it before, and we'll continue to use it again here. The race is never over till it's over. I mean, we never give up... So the fact that we may not have the fastest car or we may be considerably slower than the other cars does not mean that we don't have a chance to come away with a victory here.
3: Thank you, Jim. Yeah, John, what's interesting to me, just looking through the the fastest laps in GTLM at each of the races this season, for me, it makes interesting reading. Uh, We heard there that... um, yeah, the Corvettes won the first couple of races of the season. And uh, it was Jan Magnussen got the fastest lap in the first round of the championship at Daytona. Second round of championship at Sebring was the BMW had the fastest lap of the race. Third race of the season was also a BMW that was quickest. The fourth race, it was the Ferrari that was the fastest lap uh, during the race. Uh, and since then, it's been a BMW, uh, a Corvette was fastest in the race at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, and last time out, it was uh, the Porsche. So I think that's a pretty damn good spread. Yeah, true. And and I I just think that certainly, the the Porsches were super, super strong last time out, but for me, from my perspective, and hey, I don't have all the data uh, at my disposal here for certain, but it strikes me that the the latest tyre that Michelin brought out really does seem to suit a couple of these other cars perhaps better than the Corvette, but the Corvette did set the fastest lap in the race at Canadian Time Motorsport Park. You, you can't discount that. The car was fast. Whether it's consistently fast, of course, is uh, the key that's going to bring him victory on race day. But the, the, the speed is there. And I think perhaps, and even the Corvette guys, were, they were all telling us we haven't really got the balance right on the car for the mm-hmm. last couple of races. So this weekend, who knows? So it's in the early part of the session, certainly, Mandelson right there. Yeah, and Antonio Garcia. Now that 0.039 is. of a second.
2: Yeah, exactly. uh, checkered flag has come out. That's why mm. I love working with people like Jim Roller and Jeremy Shaw, because while Jim was getting that great information from Doug Feehan, and I love Doug's take on the whole argument that we, not argument, discussion that we were having about BOP earlier on. And yes, it would be great to put it to bed, but when will that happen Uh, and also the point that he made about the IMSA officials being involved at the FIA test at Ledoux in September I don't think you can underestimate that, I think that's a huge, huge thing that's the first time that's happened but what about a GT3 Corvette possibly running in the States that's been, as we got uh, the 48 Paul Miller car in the wall at the Oak Tree turn just spinning off there as the checkered flag the cool down there. had uh, gone out, left rear tyres uh, off the edge of the uh, circuit. That car has not been a contender this morning. Dion von Moltke in the car uh, at the time of its spin, just there now. No, you're right, it's, it's almost a second off the pace. And that, uh, Yes, yes, <laughs> what am I saying? Um, championship contender, absolutely, not a contender at the sharp end of the GT Deer Tournament Field. But GT3. Corvette in USA, mm. that is big news. Uh, Rich Callaway does a GT3 car for the European and rest of the world, but it's never been mentioned before that that could be a possibility uh, in in the US. And Doug saying that if there was interest and somebody was serious that they could do one, that is a, that's big news. And that just underlines again what we are seeing about the GTT category next year potentially exploding.
3: Yeah, that, and that would be so cool to see a, 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 a privateer Corvette here in GTD. Those cars, they run competitively, don't they? The ADC, ADAC Masters Series in Europe, that's the same GT3 category of cars. Yeah, so exactly. They're certainly competitive.
2: Uh, thank you to Continental Tide Pit Lane reporter uh, uh, Jim Roller down there in the pit lane. Uh, let's give you the rundown. It was right at the end, the 007 Aston Martin that uh, just nicked away the time. In fact, actually, that was eight laps before the end. Uh 7, 7, 9. Yeah, That was a while ago. Yeah. It was. Uh, Michael Marcel, we mentioned his great lap earlier on, the 97 car, uh, 147.790. Goodness me, how close is that? 779, it was 790, and an 857 for John Potter, uh, and Andy Lally in the 44 Porsche in third position. In GTLM, well, just as tight, thank you very much. Giancola Fisichella, 144. Uh, 143, excuse me, 9.37. I seldom go down to all the decimal places, but recently in these two GT classes for the Tudor United Sports Car Championship, we have had to, to split the cars. 143.976 so 0.039 of a second between the Ferrari and the first of the Chevrolet Corvettes. Uh, the 912 Porsche in third, fully two and a half tenths back on a 44-1. 3 for Lucas Lure, the first of the BMWs, the 24 car. Uh, the 25 car struggling just a little bit this morning. Uh, that is a couple of seconds away. and That is a much bigger gap and is half a second away from the next car uh, in line, which is the number four uh, GT LM Corvette. I wonder if the 4 and the 25 were doing something different on tyres out there and they were on a different strategy they, car did 27 laps, which is as as many as anybody other than the 24 did, so that's an interesting one maybe we'll find that out a bit later on, Uh, so there we have it then, It, it is the first free practice session for the Tudor United Sports Car Championship here at VIR the Oak Tree Grand Prix is on Sunday and uh, Jeremy Shaw, John Hindhoff, and Jim Roller will be back to make sure you miss none of the action in the rest of the sessions. Full coverage of the Tudor United Sports Car Championship, including qualifying in sound and vision, and it's all live here on IMSA Radio.
0: This programme is a production of IMSA and Radio Show Limited. For more, visit radiolamont.com.